We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Roto Grinders today. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you're gonna follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, September 22nd. We'll be taking a look at some DFS strategy for the NFL Week Three slate, the main slate, DraftKings and FanDuel on Sunday, as well as uh, some MMA stuff. It's Fighting Friday, right? And we could talk about MMA because we got uh, Fighting Friday Extraordinaire, as well as uh, as well as two game slate Extraordinaire. <laughs> It's John Breslin, a.k.a. Squirrel Patrol, the newest member of the Million Dollar Club. This, this, I believe that this is your first Million Dollar win. It is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I got my green button, hopefully, on my uh, Rotogrinders profile, or hopefully it's coming soon. Um, I should check that and see if it's, see if it's up yet. Um, yeah, I've been, been chasing that green button for, for a while now um, and did not expect it to come on it. Two game NFL slate, but uh, I, I will take it. <laughs> but your 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 construction strategy is similar to my own. I mean, like I like the two game the two gamer type of slates. You have to play like showdown, right? And the most common thing that the field does doesn't do in relation. You know, we look at showdown contest of like oh, a lot of people are building like yeah, last night five one forty niners. Very popular type of construction. On these two-game slates, a lot of times when you're playing on like Thanksgiving, you know, those types of slates, I always find that overstacking, the field does less of. So you could actually play semi-chalky players, maybe leave a bunch of salary on the table, and then find leverage in in the best spots you can. So like your lineup just really adheres to, like, I'm gonna stack the the Saints the Saints Panthers game right play the lowest owned quarterback play all the common people and just well who's the two who's the two most owned people on the slate Chubb and Sanders I'm just gonna play their I'm just gonna play the, the other guys right so 
and I actually, I, I mean, I played a bunch of Chubb and Sanders, and I, I realized like it's it's a difficult thing when you're doing content because they'll, they'll ask like like you know who's your favorite, well, your five star gold lock of the day, right? And yeah, and like my favorite, my highest owned running back was Nick Chubb. <laughs> I think I had fifty percent or more, like maybe fifty five percent Nick Chubb. Just the field had like eighty eight percent or something, like something absurd. And and so like I was way, I was like thirty something percent under the field on Nick Chubb. And that had to go somewhere. And I, I actually, I was like thrilled because like the first thing I, as soon as I like, saw like, oh, I'm going to win. Like, no, you know, start like listening to the show I did with, with Head Chopper, like the, the pregame show. And I start looking at like, the expert survey. Like, I want to make sure like I was putting the plays down and like, yeah, like I, I you know, there's a clip of me saying like, I love the backup running backs. And the reason wasn't really, oh, I think the starters are going to get injured. The reason was just, it's a two game slate. Neither game total is up to 40 points. And, you know, like backup running backs get touchdowns all the time. And so if there's going to be very few touchdowns on this slate, like there's a good chance that like the backup running backs get the touchdowns rather than the starters. And I was playing more for that than for like, you know. Like, right. Compared to the ownership. I mean, like to me, it's an ownership thing. If, you, if I told yeah. you that Nick Chubb was going to be 56% owned and Jerome Ford was going to be 22% owned. That's a much different story than when Nick Chubb is 88% on and yeah. Jerome Ford is 4% on. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and and so it, it is, it's an ownership thing. And it is like like the plays, the actual plays on the field once the game starts are so like variant. Like my my thought process actually did work out even after Nick Chubb went down. Like Jerome Ford got like a 70-yard touchdown run, went out at the one, and Pierre Strong came in and get the you know, got the touchdown. Of course, nobody's playing Pierre Strong, you know, so it didn't didn't really matter. And and the, you know that the seventy or eighty yard that uh, you know run that, that Jerome Ford got was good enough, you know, because I because like people were actually playing him. Um, but yeah, it, I I think you know obviously like, people kind of underestimate the variance in the game, and that gets reflected in in ownership, right? And that's and that's why on on any in DFS in general, not just NFL, yeah. I tend to I always say I lean towards and embrace the variance when the ownership dictates that you should. So we'll yep. talk about MMA in a little bit. Like if, if, you know, one of these knockout artists, you know, the guy, type of guys that really have five minutes to score a knockout in the first round, like, even though they may have a very high chance of doing that, like if the field is playing those people, I tend to be underweight on them. And then when people are afraid, because it's like, well, can this $9,600 guy get a first round finish and people are scared, like, and he comes in under owned. I play more of more of them because people like, sh people don't like that type of variance. And I, and I do the same in NFL of like, what if, especially dude, squirrel patrol, especially in NFL, right? Two weeks yeah. of sample size. People think they know and they don't know. Yeah, actually I, I tried to run it back last night going way underweight Christian McCaffrey, and that, that did not work out. No. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't always work out, but when it does, you know, the payout can be big. So. Right. Talking about ownership, uh, Taylor Smith does have an, a free article up on rotogrinders.com, NFL DFS DraftKings ownership projections, week three notes and advice. We do have free content for NFL up on rotogrinders.com. We also have premium content, writes, uh, right? John writes, writes uh, an article. He'll have his MMA uh, underdog typically, you know, typically John, you look, you look at MMA very similar to I do, you know, you look at the inside the distance lines and compare them to, to ownership for, well, his first round odds are this, and he's only going to be that like, 
why not take a shot? It it sounds disgusting, but but yeah, fourteen percent may be too low for this underdog when you know he does have a twenty four percent chance of winning inside the distance for that price. Yeah, so I actually. I like the MMA slate this weekend a little bit better than the football slate, which I know people don't want to hear. Um, but it, I do. I, it, it's it's a little bit harder to get away from the chalk, I think, in, in NFL this uh, this week. Whereas like MMA, you know, you've always got like, crazy stuff happening. Um, so actually, well, my I've got my UFC tags in, but not my NFL tags. Okay, well, we'll talk about UFC uh, uh, at the end of the show. But let's talk about the chalk, right? We have all the content here, Roto Grinders. We have Lineup HQ. We have our projections, our ownership, which obviously needs, you know, we need to update stuff. We, we have, you know, injury news that we're waiting on. I think the big one is whether or not Austin Eckler is going to play and whether or not Josh Kelly, we go back to the well there. But you mentioned, you said, you said it may be hard to avoid the chalk this week. Since we're a GP, since I want to be GPP focused for DFS strategy, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about like game stacks. What games are we targeting? You're playing one quarterback multiple pass catchers two. sometimes you're stacking with three maybe you're playing a run back one run back maybe two run backs depending on price so this is very similar to the past you know game stacks you know sports analytics shows that i've done in the past and uh, i've already run a lineups with uh, a combination of blitz and roto grinders projections i obviously the josh kelly like our rg projections have eckler in the blitz has him out so you kind of have to you have finagle your way around there I have it. Uh, this may this may not be this may may not be a contrarian take, right? Because we're, we're I mean, people are used to coming to me for the vomit stacks. It's I I think that the Chargers Vikings game, while it being the obvious the obvious spot, the total is like significantly significantly higher than all the other ones. Based on running lineups, even at the ownership levels that we have it at. I still have that game as a bit under-owned. Right. Yeah. So it's our first Coors Field slate of the NFL season. Um, you know, it's a, it's the, the slate where we have one game total that just, like, stands out above everything else. And so that that makes the NFL slate a little bit of, like, a binary decision. Like, are you are you game stacking? Because you should probably be game stacking something. Um, so are you game stacking the that game, or are you going with one of the other games that has, a, you know, less chance of, of hitting – and this week, like that, that Chargers uh, Minnesota game has like a much better chance of hitting than any of the other games. Like that's just you know simply reflected in the in the game total. Uh, so we have on the Viking side, you have the Cousins stack, which is pretty much Cousins Jefferson, Hawk. You probably add Hawkinson or Osborne or Addison. On the other side, you have Herbert plus Allen, Herbert plus Williams. You could even play Herbert plus Kelly plus Williams. I mean, you could do stuff like that. You obviously have these tight ends. You have Everett. You have Parham. You could throw in even a $3,300 Josh Palmer in the mix. If this spot is going to be owned, right, even though it may, may still be under-owned, I tend to, to think of chalk spots very similar to, to baseball, where – that course field game, I'm I'm not a big fan of playing one-offs, you know, high-owned one-offs from the chalk game because if those one-offs hit, it's more likely that other people on the team has hit as well. And then there are lineups that have stacks of that, and I can't beat those lineups. 
So I get more of the sense that, like, I'm I'm much more likely to either, if I have two of pieces in this game, because I like doing secondary correlations of like, oh, Josh Kelly on one side, Justin Jefferson on the other side, or Alexander Madison on one side and Keenan Allen on the other side, like, and then have another stack in my lineup. I'm much less likely to do that on this slate that because if those two pieces hit, it's much more likely that Herbert cousins, like the foot, the more of the game stack would have hit. Do you are, are you thinking similarly? Or are you more, or are you, are you willing to play guys like Kelly? If Eckler is out at running back or Jefferson by himself, because Jefferson could, be the highest scoring wide receiver, even if the game doesn't like go over its total. Yeah. Um, I actually think I, I'm okay with playing these guys as one-offs Um, because there's a couple of like details, like context that the, the quarterbacks, neither one of the quarterbacks is um, very rushing focused. It's like, could you have a possibility where like Justin Fields gets two rushing touchdowns and also like the, the Chargers Minnesota game is like doing well, but Justin Jefferson is really just the focus of the Minnesota offense. That seems like plausible to me, and it, especially on DraftKings, where uh, like reception, you know, the full point per reception. Like, well, what if like what if Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen are just piling up receptions and get the touchdowns? Like, so maybe you have like a mini stack, right, of like Jefferson and Keenan Allen, but like some other game does go over its total, or doesn't even just necessarily go over its total, but like yeah, like. The, the Justin Fields gets like two two rushing touchdowns or or Lamar Jackson you know same situation and, and like and they're not necessarily they're they're like doing really well but like not with a full game stack um, and you know meanwhile like the, the offense is just totally concentrated in this Minnesota Chargers game so like I will have some some lineups you know that you know a good number of lineups that have like a game stack from another game but like a mini game stack from this game. Okay, because it's just so higher than everything. I mean, yeah, I said on Wednesday with Noto that it's it's going to be very hard for me not to play some piece of this game in almost every lineup. Yeah, that I think that's kind of how I'm thinking, and that actually comes pretty easily, even when you're just like running lineups in lineup HQ. Like if you if you you know say like no, I want to force a you know, a Mahomes-Kelsey stack, no matter what, you're probably going to get some pieces, you know, and just run, you know, you just lock those guys in and run some lineups. Like, you're going to get some, you're, the other pieces are going to be from this Minnesota Chargers game because it's uh, like the highest projected game. Talking about the the, the Mahomes stack, I have that as over-owned. It's the highest total. It's the highest implied total, right? 30? Because, I mean, they're favored by 12 and a half. Yeah. The projections on these guys, it's just that it's it's, KC could score 30 points and no one gets there because it's just, it, it goes everywhere. I'm much more likely out of all the pieces to play Kelsey because he could just, I mean, he could score 30 points and no other tight end could put up past 10. And you just have a scarcity thing of like you, everyone has to play a tight end, right? So if you get one that you play Kelsey and you have 20 more points than everyone else, that helps you. But from a stack perspective, like I'm not enamored playing, you know, even a Mahomes Kelsey plus DJ Moore type of thing. I I just I just have that as as overowned. I almost I almost think that I'm more likely to play Isaiah Pacheco as a one off in this game. I think he's going to be he may still be a little overowned. What are your thoughts on 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 the Chiefs in general? Because 
to me, I find it like it's it's very hard to stack the Chiefs outside of the two main pieces, but the two main pieces are also absurdly expensive. Yeah, exactly. They're they're a frustrating team, and it, like particularly on DraftKings, where salary tends to matter a little bit more. Like it's a little bit easier to get like the studs on on Fanduel on DraftKings. It's like like I'm I'm actually surprised when I do what I just described. Like just lock in Mahomes and Kelsey and run some optimal lineups. Like that, those lineups end up being like far less highly projected than I would expect because they're so expensive. Uh, but but Travis Kelsey is that guy that can like really exceed anybody else at the tight end position. Um, and he's actually not that much more expensive. Like I think Hawkinson's like only $700 cheaper, and, but like $700 is a lot, uh, but it's not like Kelsey is, you know, is like leaps and bounds more expensive. And sometimes he's like, yeah, sometimes he puts up games of like 30 and other tight ends just totally fail. And it's like, you needed to have Kelsey. Uh, so I actually, something I is a little bit interesting is like, maybe you go Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Travis Kelsey. Uh, because you can kind of see all of the offense going, like all of the passing offense going through, through Kelsey. Um, And then Pacheco, I'm interested in maybe, like maybe you're pairing him with Kansas City defense a little bit more. And then, uh, you know, running and then like not having any other pieces from that game. So let's talk about some other games. What games are on your radar to stack that you think is going to be under-owned? Because remember, it's not about... Now, one of the best games, it's one of the best games in comparison to their ownership. I have I have my I have my list of four. I have four under-owned, four over-owned. This is very similar to the game stack show. You know, I would be on be on with Tuttle talking about this. So what what would be your what would be one of your picks of a game that you're targeting because you be, you believe that the stack and the run back is is under owned. Uh so like a handful of games, like I like the Colts and, and Baltimore, but the weather could be a little bit of a factor. Uh, I, I was kind of prepared coming into this season because I love playing Lamar Jackson, um, especially on being like the rushing touchdowns count like a little bit more. Um, right? Like they don't count as more, but there's less points coming from like receptions and and like the hundred you know the yardage bonuses. So I've always loved playing Lamar Jackson, but this coming into the season, I was like, like he may not rush as much. Like he's got like the contract, like the new the new offensive coordinator, but his running backs keep going down, so, so he's gonna have to start rushing. Um, so like I. That's a game where I can see like the point total isn't as high um, and the spread is like eight points. But if, like if it is closer, it could be higher scoring. But it is also so weather is maybe going to be an impact a little bit earlier. You know, it's, we don't necessarily always think of like September weather as being a big impact on the NFL. But like Kevin Roth is saying, like we could have major storms this weekend. Um, it seems to be like a the latest forecast seems to be a little bit better. Like it might have, you know, stuff might have cleared on the East Coast by game time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like let's say it's really rainy. Like maybe Lamar Jackson is having to rush a little bit more. Um, and then we also don't. I don't think we know the status of Anthony Richardson yet. I'm I'm, I'm assuming he's not going to play. I'm assuming it's going to okay. be Minshew. Yeah, I don't know that it makes a huge difference for the Colts passing offense um, because. Like Richardson's good. He's a really promising rookie. And he looks like he might be the most promising so far, you know, out of that that quarterback class. Uh, but it's also this would be his third NFL game. So uh and like Minchu is a pretty good backup. So like I don't know that it actually affects uh how I feel about that game. Although I'm probably more interested in Richardson playing Richardson than playing Minchu. Uh if that makes sense. But like neither one of them would be like hugely owned for me. Uh, like maybe a little more interested in the Baltimore side of that. 
Right, and it looks like that Odell Beckham may may not play, and that actually would be more. I mean, I'd be much more inclined now to Lamar plus Flowers plus Andrews, yeah. something like that, and especially Andrews. Same thing at the tight end position, like the guys that could could totally obliterate the tight end position. I like playing more of them the field because the field tends to play, tries to find the three K guy that that could give you ten points, and a lot of times. They fail and just give you three. So I'm less, even if Richardson plays, I'm much more inclined to play the Lamar side. Single stack, double stack. Less people do the double stack. Run it back with a Zach. If Zach Moss may be somewhat popular, you know, if he's going to play like all the snaps and everything like that. Gus Edwards may actually get some increased ownership. If, uh, you know, we have Justice Hill that probably won't play, but they have they signed Kenyon Drake. They have Melvin Gordon. I know that, these are like corpses, but the Ravens are not the type of team that take running backs and use them 90% of the time. Gus Edwards like gets like no targets. So you're like very touchdown dependent. So to me, I have this game, you know, barring the total, not keep on coming down because of the weather. Like this is, seems to me that why can't I just do Lamar flowers, Andrews Moss. And there's my stat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like that's uh surprisingly affordable. Um and like Zay Flowers has like real promise. Like he might be a real NFL wide receiver. <laughs> um like, I, like just watching the first game. So second game wasn't as as strong, but like the first game, like Lamar Jackson was just looking his way. It's it felt like almost every play. Um so yeah, that's that's a game stack I like. And then actually um like the Atlanta Detroit game, I think has. Some, okay, some good. We're 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 both on the same page, John. We're like you're going down my list of what's <laughs> the most under on games, right? Yeah. We Chargers Vikings, even though it's chalk, I still have it as as under owned. My number one under owned game, uh, my number two under owned game was Indianapolis Baltimore. My number one under under owned game is what you just talked about right now, Atlanta at Detroit in the dome. People are going to be scared. This this is my vomit vomit stack take of the week. I think you could play Desmond Ritter. I think Jared Goff. I think, especially if Amon Ross St. Brown is healthy and plays, I don't think he's going to be owned much in the high end of wide receiver. I think Gibbs will get some love. I, dude, playing like Goff, Amon Ra, Sam Laporta. And then running it back with London or Bijan or one of the, one of, maybe not Algier, but like Kyle Pitts in the tight end spot. Like, and I don't have no problem playing Ritter, London, Ritter, London, Pitts with the, you know, Amon Ra bring back. I mean, this game, the key part of this game, John, I think is Detroit's offense has to be efficient because if Detroit's offense isn't efficient, the Falcons and Arthur Smith. We'll just make this game really, really slow and ugly. Yeah. So I think this is a game maybe I'm, I'm more likely to just game stack and not necessarily have secondary pieces because I think this game, like I, like the Chargers-Minnesota game is going to put up some points. And it's a question, like, if it goes 70, you need a full game stack. You know, if it's going, like, 50, which is, like, still four points under, under the total – uh, then maybe like you're getting away with some one-offs and there's like concentrated offense that allows you to just game stack another game. Uh, this game, I could see it like going over its point total. I could, you know, and, and if it goes like 50 points, like some of these players are pretty cheap. 
Uh, if it's, you know, then so maybe that's a, the game stack that you need, but I could also see it hitting like 42 points, you know, 40 points uh, because like Atlanta just likes to run the ball. Uh, but if Detroit is scoring and Atlanta can't just run the ball, then like, then maybe this is like starting, you know, these players are starting to like feed off of each other, um, you know, and, and if you're getting like long plays that end drives and hand the ball back to the other team now with a, you know, a, you know, sudden deficit of seven points, then like they're having to open the game up a little bit more. And also they have big play guys. I mean, we're talking about Jamar Gibbs could break one, Bijan, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Josh Reynolds. I mean, Amon Ra is a little bit more of a possession receiver, but I mean, he gets 30 plus percent target share anyway. Uh, I mean, these are big play guys. You're playing this game for, you hope for big plays that speed things up and offenses have to, try to keep up with the scoring. But if that doesn't happen, it's much more likely that like no one from this game gets you gets there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm, you know, I've been a kind of a Jamar Gibbs fan. Um, Cause I expected him to get more, you know, more usage as the season goes on. Like everybody wants to play rookies in week one, because they're like the new shiny thing. But generally, coaches don't like to throw rookies in there like in week one, you know, when, when they're still like learning the playbook, you know, or learning how to like play in an NFL game. Uh, so now if, if David Montgomery is out, that's maybe happening a little bit early, but it's a, at a time when I would expect Gibbs to maybe be getting more and more work naturally anyway. Uh, so I think like the Craig Reynolds effect is is a concern, uh, but Gibbs might actually, you know, he's like what, 6,600 on, on DraftKings. Um, I can see him like outperforming that price. Now, uh, I've I've a I've a I've a sneaky game. That's my third most underowned. But before getting to that, obviously hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. I also I want to talk about some overowned games. Right, I have uh, very similarly to uh, to the the Kansas City game. I have Josh Allen stacks as over-owned because the Buffalo team total is actually, you know, it's 25. And a lot of times when we're playing Josh Allen, they're playing at home and they have 28, 29, 30 point team totals. I know they're, they're practically, they're, they're, they're about a touchdown favorite. Commander's defense is, is pretty decent. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that Buffalo is going to be like chalky or anything like that, but at the prices that they are playing Allen plus Diggs types of plus Kincaid. I mean, any of these guys as one-offs I think is fine, but I think the overall price of something like that with a McLaurin or a Jahan Dotson run back, like I'm, if anything, I'm much more likely to play Howell sides just for the price and not Allen at the head of this stack. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, Allen's like 8,100. Uh, like Mahomes and Allen are, are, are a decent chunk more expensive than the other quarterbacks. And I agree, like Allen, like the Washington defense is pretty good. This game is going to be like outdoors in Washington. So Buffalo is going to have to be on the road and it might be raining, like at least like very sloppy field conditions. It's not like a game that I, I, I love the, uh, you know, and, and they're expensive too. Like Diggs and Allen are expensive. Uh, and I actually agree. I, th- I think like playing Sam Howe on the opposite side, like how um, how has some rushing upside. So, like, maybe that's how you would want to stack this game. But especially with the weather concerns, it's not a game that, I, you know, I'm looking to it as being a main, main part of my builds on uh, Sunday. 
Okay, here's 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 a game that I have as over-owned. Maybe we'll get into a debate. Maybe you think otherwise. Houston Jacksonville. I uh, I'm not doubting that this game could be a shootout, but compared to ownership, I think these these Texans receivers like Collins and Tank Dell, people love playing Calvin Ridley. The people who want to play Lawrence is typically more owned than he should be on a lot of slates. So I think people want to play Etienne, right, against the Texans' run defense. I see, like, like oh, people are going to go, I'm going to play Lawrence plus Kirk plus uh, Ridley, run it back with Collins or Dell. I think I think it's fine. I just think it's, I just think it's over-owned. I, that, that when, when you have uh, chalk receivers from a team that, is on the road with an 18 implied team total. Like I hate, I hate the thinking in DFS, especially for ceiling of, I want to play the guys that are going to be down two touchdowns. It's like, no, I want to play the guys that score the two touchdowns that make the other team go behind. So like, I tend to lean away from these kind of chalky situations where people are relying on CJ Stroud dropping back 50 times because the team is behind. Right. Yeah, I mean, implied point total means, like, so much. I, I feel like, you know, it's one of the things that's high, most highly correlated with, like, fantasy player success is is implied point total. Uh, so, yeah, you got to realize when you're dealing with, like, a, a point total that doesn't hit 20, um, even, even if the guys are, like, underpriced, it's not necessarily somewhere you want to go. Uh, having said that, like, I do my Friday show, you know, later today with, with JM to win. Um, he absolutely loves Tank Dell. He like thinks that he's like going to be a future star. Um, so I'll, I'll probably be playing some Tank Dell, but also like the yeah, Jacksonville offense just never seems to get there as as much as you think it would. Um, like Etienne never seems to catch as many passes as you think he would. Um, and like yeah, we kind of still waiting for that offense to, like to to hit its fantasy potential. Um, I think they're like a, a decent team, but. Like you know, the the fantasy scoring can be can be hard to come by, and like they have a bunch of good receivers. That's not necessarily good. Like you see, we see that with with Kansas City, that like you can you can lose a lot of money trying to predict like which Kansas City receiver is going to catch the touchdowns this week. Uh, you know, we know it's always going to be like Travis Kelsey's doing really well. Like with Jacksonville, it's hard to pick from like you know Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. Uh, Evan anyone. Ingram. I mean, Evan Ingram's there also. I mean, yeah, he's, he's not a small yeah. either. Yeah. Uh, I I could see if you want Tank Dell as a one-off only because of price. Like Tank Dell could put up twenty points for thirty-six hundred. That's much more viable than playing going than going into you know chalk Nico Collins at fifty-three hundred. I mean, they're cheap, but I think that this is if you look at mean projections, it's going to lean you to like, oh, you want to play like. You want to play Stroud? It's going to lead you to play Stroud, Collins, Dell, Etienne, and and if you don't know how to use an optimizer, you may get more of that than you necessarily want. Yeah, I mean, I think at fifty three hundred, I think like CJ Stroud. If you want to play him in the Millie Maker, I think I think that makes sense. Like because we don't know what's going to happen. I think like was it like Russell Wilson went nuts last week? I wasn't seeing that. Uh, and so like I I'll have some CJ Stroud in like my one hundred and fifty lineup build that like I'm gonna bring it probably put it to the million maker. Um but but like I'm I don't know if I'm gonna be like over the field on him. I mean I you know I might have you know three to five percent seems about right. Um 
but it's not not a game I'm going to like focus on for single entry or anything like that. Uh, do you have a game that that you think is going to be over owned? Uh, it's hard to say. Like I I don't know how nuts the ownership on the the Chargers Minnesota game will go because like like you're saying like you're showing it as being under owned. Well, a lot of people might see that. That I think a lot of people. You know, a lot of people are going to pull out their phones and go, oh, what, you know, what game has the highest total when they, like, go to enter their one lineup? Oh, this, you know, this Chargers-Minnesota game, uh, you know, it looks like it's got a high point total. Overowned, I don't know, I think so much ownership is going to go there. <laughs> that, that, you, you, don't think, you don't think people are going to go, uh, enough people are going to go, uh, especially if Waddle is out. They're going to go, oh, let well, me play Tua plus Hill plus Durham Smythe. Run it back with like Javante Williams or Cortland Sutton or something like that. I get, I mean, Miami has a 27 implied total and it's hard for me to gauge. I think I, it's weird for me to say, I have more interest in Tyree kill if Waddle plays than if Waddle doesn't, because I think that'll limit his ownership more. He'll project better with Waddle out. But then I have to think on the other end, Maybe I want him out because maybe in large field contest, maybe more too many more people are still going to play Jefferson, and I'd rather have a better projected Hill at a similar ownership anyway. Yeah, I I actually kind of like Raheem Mostert in this game, which maybe like Mostert is maybe a one off that makes sense if you're doing like a Chargers Minnesota game stack, uh, because you put him in there, and then maybe you're saying that game's a little bit of a slower grind, you know, grinding game. Uh, where Miami gets ahead and then they're they're running Mostert and Mostert's getting the touchdowns. I agree. Like like Tyreek Hill could see really high ownership uh, if Waddles is out, uh, and but but he's also like Waddles in. He's always a player that can go go berserk. Right. Uh, here's my here's my the, the sneaky sneaky stack. I don't know how I don't know if you're gonna like this. Geno Smith. Plus Metcalf or Lockett, play. I mean, basically, basically, play. I can play Kenneth Walker even with them. Miles Sanders, the corpse of Adam Thielen, right? Jonathan Mingo, some of these Panthers. People are gonna see, you know, Bryce. Oh, Bryce Young's out. Andy Dalton's in. Spoiler alert: Andy Dalton's a better quarterback than Bryce Young, right? <laughs> yeah, they're hey, playing. Bryce Young's won me a million dollars, <laughs> right, right? Right, of course. But I mean, I mean, truthfully, it's. I think the Panthers offense will actually play better under Andy Dalton. Uh, see the tip, the typical knock on Seattle is that they're not the type of team that, that runs up the score. So to me, like if the Panthers offense is actually effective and it's not like the Seahawks defense is, is great. If Miles Sanders breaks one, like the Seahawks have no project. They have no pro- Pete Carroll has no problem letting Geno Smith drop back 40 plus times to throw the ball to, to the, to the, the talent they have at wide receiver with like JSN also. So like, I'm not a big fan of like playing these guys necessarily as one-offs, but as part of a stack, I mean, this it's a, I mean, compared to the other games on the slate, I mean, it's like, like, what are you going to do Like the jets and the Patriots? I mean, I just look at the ownership here and I just don't, I just, I just don't think many people got burned by Miles Sanders on a two-game slate. People tend to not like playing Kenny Walker. And and I just look at these guys and go, like Metcalf or Lockett 
both have 100 plus two touchdowns in their range of outcomes any game why not take a shot on on the Panthers actually putting up points forcing the Seahawks to throw the ball yeah I, I actually I'm more interested I think in playing Carolina players like having a Carolina stack and adding a Seattle player than vice versa if that makes sense um like I so like you, the you idea play Dalton like who you the problem is is that like but other than Sanders, most of these like Carolina pieces are are like are corpse play, are players that you look at and you go, what's the average age of this of this these, these skill positions? <laughs> yeah, well, Jonathan Mingo is is a rookie, and he, you know he got eight targets um, on Monday night. So like I, I think that's a place you can go. Uh, only thirty four hundred. Like Miles Sanders is pretty affordable. Like he's fifty seven hundred for a running back that catches passes now maybe has a, a quarterback going to dump it off a little bit more. So it could be piling up some more receptions and, you know, in weeks one and two, uh, and he rushed for like 1200 yards or whatever last year. Um, and you know, you're getting him for 5,700. So if I go to this game, like I, I think like maybe like a Miles Sanders, like Mingo, Andy Dalton, like it's a vomit stack, but that's right, what, you know, right. what we're I here for. Vomit stacks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah and then like, you can compare that with our Seattle receiver. Yeah, because in running lineups, I've got, I got, I'm not saying I got a lot of this game, but I got a lot more than the ownership would, would warrant. Yeah, no, no, I, I think it's, it's definitely like a plausible game stack uh, of like the lower point total games. It, that's the one that I, this is like the one that I might, I might like, like, I, I don't really want to go to like Dallas, Arizona, like New Orleans, Green Bay, like Tennessee, Cleveland, uh, like I feel like those are games that are just best left alone. Like there's nothing that requires you to play something from each game. Uh, right. You know, so like this is maybe the game from the lower point totals, like the, you know, 43 and, and under probably the one that I have the most interest in. And uh, you like looking at the tool that Jamino has the NFL DFS optimal stacks tool. Right? I'm actually requ- required to look at it. Cause I have to write an article interpreting oh. the results. Right. <laughs> this is a premium premium tool based yeah. on our current ownership. And RG projections, it runs through 10,000 iterations of lineups and basically different. I mean, this is not, you know, just one type of stack, but it just means at least the quarterback with one teammate, you know, how often did these lineups show up in the top 0.1% of lineups compared to the projected ownership? And this is a tool that you could use to quickly look at. I run lineups, so I run ceiling projections i want you know and i i take a look at all this this is a little bit more precise of a method of doing so so uh, obviously i'm not going to show anything because it's a it's a premium right you got to go behind the paywall right so click on that link in the description get ten dollars off your first month but uh but you always mention this john on on all your i mean for every sport we typically have some type of sim tool like this that shows you know slate iq optimal stacks you know even for even hey for ufc we have that as well yeah we do actually um the ufc one just came out over the like kind of over the summer uh and so i was looking at the results like you know was like sending me like you know this is what it's it's spinning out and um and then you know we started publishing it i feel like it didn't get enough like fanfare uh that and i think we talked about this last week that like the results like visually don't look as strong sometimes as a as they are like when you see somebody that's like oh you know they're 
showing up as optimal 28% of the time and they're owned 14% of the time. Like people are, ah, it's a 14% difference. Well, that's a hundred percent. 100% difference. <laughs> yeah. You're, so like, if you give me a, the offer of a hundred percent ROI, I will take that offer. Like, you know, all every day. Uh, so, so like, yeah, I think these tools are like pretty powerful, but I, I do, I, I like the idea of like, you know, running this kind of stuff and then, in, you know, interpreting the results, uh, I think is important and maybe looking into stuff consistently and seeing like, okay, like it seems like the, you know, the highest owned quarterback or the highest owned or the, or the highest priced quarterback or the highest priced fighter is often like less optimal than what you would think because of the possibility of them getting like priced off the lineup, right? Like they can still put up a high score, but they have to put up a really high score to like end up on that winning lineup. Well, talking about MMA, it's that we have a fighter like that, yeah. Jacob Malkoon, right? You've already have you already have him tagged, yeah, right, Jacob Malkoon. Who I mean, this is this is a it's an eleven fight slate, which I wish I, I like bigger slates. Yeah. So finding a way to get unique, it's it's a weird slate that it's like whoever made this card said almost every almost every fight is a striker versus a grappler. Uh, the ITD lines are really not great in comparison yeah. to the past bunch of slates that we've played. Uh, Malkoon is a minus 650 favorite, biggest by far on the slate against Brundage. But he's only plus 115 inside the distance. I mean, you're kind of reliant on Malkoon taking him down like eight or nine times, and he could still get priced out. And it's not like Brundage doesn't have a wrestling background. Uh is this the type of slate where, where you need to play Malcoon? Like, did or you could think the other way that because there are going to be so many, it looks like there'll be way more decisions than finishes. Then maybe Malcoon putting up hundred and ten at ninety five hundred may still be one of the highest scores on the slate anyway. Yeah, that's so. That's actually my thought on the card. One of the reasons I like the card is because. People might look at Malcoon, they might look at the inside of the distance line and say, like, well, he might not get a finish. He's like so expensive. I'm going to go past him. Like, I really don't like any of the 9,000 plus fighters other than Malcoon. Uh, uh, are you sexist? Is it because they're women? Was it? No, but it, like, they're, they're unlikely to get a finish. Like, and they, like, Marina Rodriguez, we have a long history of her just not putting up points in wins, right. like in five round wins. <laughs> um, you know, she like doesn't necessarily get to, you know, to a hundred points and like at 9,300. So like now we're kind of maybe crossing her off. Um, Mizuki, I think it's, it's our first fight in like three years. Uh, again, like not likely to get the first round finish, not particularly high volume. Uh, Vidal, same way. Like there are female fighters that are like high volume that I love to play because they, they're high volume and people are like, oh, female fighter. Looks like she doesn't have a high inside the distance line. Like volume is something we kind of measure, right? Like how often does she try to punch the other girl in the face? <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing that we, they count those stats. Um, and it's like, if the, if the fighters don't have that, uh, it's just, it's really difficult. Now, like Liam says uh, on the ground pound podcast, right? Like somebody can always slip on a banana peel. Right. And we actually, you know, we've seen that before. We actually had like two weird fights last week. Right? Well, we last week we had the withdraw. We had and a no contest <laughs> and a no, a no contest on the fight that I had like 80% of. Yeah, yeah, and that was you know, one of the highest owned fights. It was supposed to be like a big action fight. Well, somebody's going to have to put up a lot of points. 
unless there's a no contest. <laughs> right, that <laughs> um, banana peel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a they both slipped on a banana peel, basically. Um, well, the, the 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 thing about the the, the high priced female fighters typically is that they tend to go under owned. Yeah. So yeah, like like you have Rodriguez, you have Mizuki, you have Vidal. Like we have them right now as 14, 23, and 27% owned. I'm gonna tell you a little secret, a little secret, John. They're gonna be lower owned than that. Right. Right. So like like if this was the actual if Vidal was 27% owned, I'd be with you. The problem is I think Rodriguez comes in at literally comes in at single digit ownership. And Mizuki comes in at like 12 and Vidal comes in at like 16. And at that point, I'll, you know, at that point, if you tell me that Vidal is 16% owned, like she's plus 195 inside the distance. That's 34%. Plus 500 in the first round. That's 17%. Like, like, dude, if Rodriguez is plus 700 in the first round, right? So like all these women are like 13 to 17% to win in the first round, which is... 90 plus points, which is good for this card. Like if the ownership ducks underneath that number, I know it's un it's less likely than an 11 fight card. You know, if you, if you cross out these th- three, three female fighters, it's less probable, but then you start running into your playing lineups that are duped 64 times. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see where ownership goes. I, I always like to play fighters. Like in my 150 sets, I'm going to have fighters generally, owned at least at their round one like finish probability um so like and like marina rodriguez i think is at like about 10 or 11 percent <laughs> like i think he's at like plus 700 um yeah so it's like maybe 11 12 percent um so like that like yeah that, that's probably what i'll own her at uh so and right, you know, so, so, it's a, just to be clear it's an 11 fight card there's 22 fighters you play 150 lineups you will have every fighter in, in your pool and at least one lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cody Brundage is maybe a fighter that I might be under the field on his, uh, even his, well, I guess we got, I, I don't think he's going to be four. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be 4% on. I think I'll be higher than 4%. On. Yeah. I think he'll be higher than 4%. I like Watterson Gomez a little bit more. <laughs> um, just like the, like the kind of color commentary from everything I'll list to, listen to this week on, on Brundage um, just isn't that good. And, uh, you know, and I, I like Malcoon a lot. So um, Brundage, I, I think he's a late, uh, I think he's our late replacement for this fight. I'd, I'd have to look up on tep- topology. Um, but this uh, kind of screams like Brundage is out of, his, you know, on his way out of the UFC. And then they had a late had to find somebody that could make weights on short notice or whatever. And like, Hey, how would you like one more fight? <laughs> and he, and he's taking it, but he just hasn't looked good in his last fights. Um, and so, you know, uh, he's, I guess 4%, I actually probably will be over the field on him, uh, right. but he should be owned higher than 4%. Uh, no matter what, I, I think his, his first round finish probability is like all over the place. Like his odds are all over the place. Yeah, I've seen see. plus four fifty. Like that's what I have in my sheet. Yeah, plus four fifty is actually like really good for his price. Uh, but I've also seen it at like plus seventeen hundred. So like I think there, I'm gonna have to like actually take a minute. Like I look at like the like our best fight odds and fight odds IO that like right. aggregate the different like sports books, and I'm like this might be an error somewhere. Like, yeah, so like some books, like, some books are are sharper than others. Just to be clear, yeah. like some books yeah, I don't like, care what they, they, they put up. <laughs> right, like I would, I would given the choice between the plus four fifty that I've seen and the plus seventeen hundred. Maybe go with the plus seventeen hundred. You know, if I'm if I'm betting it, um, 
but it, yeah, so the odds are a little bit all over the place. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I actually like Watterson Gomez a little bit more for her ability to actually put up like points at 6,900. Like she might actually, in a five or a three round decision, if she scores like 70 something points, maybe that can sneak onto the optimal lineup. Whereas like Brundage probably needs a win to right. land on the optimal. I think the same thing for same thing for Ige. Like I think Ige. I mean, a lot of these matchups are striker versus grappler. People, are, I think, are going to side more on the Bryce Mitchell side. Yeah, we've seen Bryce Mitchell like, like he should do well and then gets knocked out. I mean, like, right? right? So like, like it's one. It's, a lot of these fights are if the rest, if the grappler could grapple, they they should have been the favorite because AJ Fletcher is that type on the underdog side against Brian Battle is like AJ Fletcher from a DFS perspective should be able to put up a hundred plus points in a win. The problem is, is that after five minutes, his gas tank is gone and then he gets finished in the second or third round by whoever the hell he's facing. Yeah. Actually, I kind of like Brian battle as, as the favorite there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the ownership goes a little bit more towards AJ Fletcher, because he's going to show a bunch of points in his game log. Uh, at a at a pretty affordable price, I think that'll be tempting for people. And then I kind of like the Brian Battle side. Like I like going with the other underdogs and then playing like Brian Battle because uh, I think Fletcher could see outside his ownership. And like Ige is one of my favorite fighters on the card because I think Bryce Mitchell's got some name value and he's you know he's favored, so I think people are going to go there. Uh, whereas like Ige is only seventy four hundred. Like that's it's, and he's an active like you know fairly high paced fighter. Um, like he's he's put up like hundred point wins before in the UFC, so I, I like going with Ige. Like at, at seventy four hundred, with a win, he stands a really good chance of landing on the winning lineup. Uh, I know his win odds. Yeah, we've got it there, like thirty six percent. His ownership's only twenty four. Like that's a that's a bad discrepancy. Like I, you know, I'll I'll be over the field on that twenty four. Uh, lastly, before we get out of here, your stance on the main event: Fiziev eighty five hundred, Gamrot seventy seven hundred. I'm, I mean, in general, I tend to be under on main event fighters because they tend to be over-owned, but that's not really all dependent on price. So 8,500, 7,700, they have an easier time to make the optimal lineup. And on a card where the finish, you know, the ITD lines are not like the best. Like I like fading like like main events that are, think that may they may go four rounds when they're, when I, there's five fights that have a like minus 135, minus 200 ITD, like like hey, it's there's 14 fights on the card and like like six of the fights are going to end in the first round. It's like, dude, I don't need a main event fighter. I know I'm typically under on the main event, but this seems like I'm much more likely to have Fiziev or Gamrot in my lineups just because if Fiziev wins, it's either going to be an early knockout. Or he'll win by points at the end, which at eighty five hundred probably is still fine. And Gamrot, if he wins, it's probably going to come with like five or six takedowns, and he may be the highest scorer on the entire slate anyway. So, like at seventy seven hundred, how do I not play Gamrot? Yeah, I like Gamrot a lot more than Fiziev. I, I don't have like a, a strong take on who's going to win the fight, but I think Gamrot will score much better if he wins. Fiziev as is like like the disaster with a five round title fight or a five round main event is that like well, what if the guy just gets a kind of low scoring third round win <laughs> like then he's just like any other fighter on the card like I think that's like Fiziev's like at at risk for that uh, of getting that like 
third round, a fourth round win, you know, early, like if he gets an early fourth round win, that's kind of a disaster. <laughs> um, you know, and he's getting the finish. It's, it's inside the distance, but like he's like, you're not getting the 90 points, you know, you're getting the the lower points, you know, for the, the third and fourth round. You're win. getting like 75 to 78. And that may not yeah. be enough at 8,500. Yeah, so like, what was it like forty six percent ownership there? Uh, I'll probably be a little bit under the under the field. Like, I'm not gonna like fade him entirely. And for cash games, I think it's a, it's a fine fight to like stack stack both fighters in the five round fights. But I like I like being a little bit over that number, that ownership number on Gamrot, and a little bit under the number on on Fizio. And you keep saying okay. eleven fights. We still we have weigh-ins in five minutes. It's eleven fights right, right. now. It may so not be eleven fights. fights. It could be ten fights. Right? Oh, geez. yeah. I think Ricardo so Ramos a, uh, missed weight by nine pounds last time. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely <laughs> right. So you'll have content coming out today uh, for, for the MMA stuff. You have your tags up in lineup HQ. You can get all of this premium content and premium tools, all of our projections here at Roto-Grinders by clicking on the link in the description. Get a combo premium package. You get NFL, you get NBA, you get college football, you get soccer, you get you get M, you get everything, right? PGA, whatever you want. Take whatever you want. Click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month, and uh, and you'll be you'll be back you'll be back on the YouTube channel later today with uh, with the, the the solo the solo ship show that is a that is a free show. Yes, I think so. It's out on YouTube. I always click on it on YouTube. And it okay, so so we're 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 good, dude. Right? People can check check you out there. Anything else that you're coming out with uh, this week, content wise, on Road Grinders? Yeah, well, so I have my stacks article. Um, it's like the interpretation of the Domino um, simulations, and then yeah, on uh, UFC a pre-lock show uh, tomorrow, and then Sunday on at eleven a.m. with uh, Eric Bymfor. Uh, so yeah, you know, I guess that's free as well. And then right back on the uh, primetime pre-lock on Monday with Head Chopper. Great, so check that out. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Uh, you can always send in your mailbag questions. The questions at theoryofdfs.com. We always talk about DFS strategy here. Props and pick them as well. Right, we'll be back on Monday. I'll have James McCool. We'll go over the the week the week three slate. Hopefully, hopefully everyone here is profitable. That's what I hope so. Just don't dupe me. Just don't do me, right? That's all. And let me get first, and you guys can get second. I'm. I have a lot of conditions, John. Right. So if you're going to play MMA and you're in the main GPP, I'm going to take solo first. You're going to take solo second. And if if not, I don't mind reversing that. That's that's perfect. All right. Sounds like a good plan. Okay. So this is the place to get all of your uh, strategic content for DFS props and pick them. What you're thinking about when you're building your lineups today. Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on Roto-Grinders. Today.